and welcome back to the Four Podmen, the podcast chosen by you, discussed by us. And today, as always, our team of Four Podmen are the mighty Carl King Woe, the Shrek do. Keeper. <laughs> he always jumps in when you're doing these. I do! Every time. <laughs> it's, my, it's my gimmick. Yeah. It's his gimmick. The shopkeeper, Niall Hogan, you may as well jump in. Ah, sure, why not? Good evening. <laughs> and then, of course, the journal himself, Mr. Dara O'Connor. Howdy, gents. Hi. Um, and I am, of course, Ian Donald Kelly. Today is, uh, is, is actually one of the most anticipated uh, episodes of the four pod men yet, even though there's only been four. This is the fourth now, guys, right? We should finish after this one. We'll just make a four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The four podcasts, um, and that's so, it. Then. Well, today is actually today is the most anticipated show yet, purely going by the numbers and the fact that it's the first show that's been a landslide in the vote. We brought back, um, we gave you two options at the at the start of this month. We gave you once again stables, factions, whatever you want to call it, and um, because it was so close uh, when it when it was up against the intercontinental title. So we figured because it was so close, we'd bring it back. And we decided to put one of the most uh, talked about decorated superstars of all time, uh, Triple H, the game, the Cerebral Assassin. And we figured we'd put that in this one because it's kind of still fresh off the back of the 25-year anniversaries of the, of the game, anniversaries of the game. I suppose it's anniversaries, yeah, he's had multiple characters. So uh, both inside and outside of the ring. So we... Um, yeah, obviously it was a landslide. I believe, if I'm correct, I put the figure up the other day. It was something like seventy. What was it? Seventy. Seventy-five or something. Yeah, I think it was seventy-three <laughs> percent to uh, to twenty twenty-seven or something. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, my maths. I got yeah. my maths right this time, guys. <laughs> Yoo-hoo! That's Darryl pretty. Uh, yeah, that's. Oh yeah. That's pretty. That's pretty that, definitive yeah. anyway. The the percentage, isn't it? It's pretty definitive. Yeah, I mean, it was obviously hot off the back of, um, of uh, you know, the 25 years anniversary of the game. Mm. Um, so, the game, just a little little bio. We, the first one we've done, actually, for someone. Uh, but we have a nice little bio here. Um, obviously, Hunter Hurst Helmsley, real name Paul Levesque, um, born in New Hampshire. Nice part of town over, uh, over near Connecticut, if I'm correct. Um, started... I think it was 14, he got involved in bodybuilding. Anyone that's not read uh, Making the Game, the book, which I still have a copy of, some pictures of Triple H when he was only 14 years old, looking pretty pretty uh, beastly, if, if we do say so. Um, he obviously learned about the legendary killer Kowalski school by one of his workout partners, Ted Archidi, whether that's important or not, but that's, that's the facts. Um, obviously, Paul was then trained by Killer Kowalski and made his pro debut in 1992, early 90s, when it was just kind of still just coming out of the uh, uh, territory days. And then, as we know, he's uh, he made his way to the WWE after uh, many um, kind of, I suppose, generic gimmicks like terrorizing uh, back in uh, And then comes, uh, comes into the WWE as the... Um, the posh, sophisticated uh, snob hunter. The Greenwich, the Greenwich Blue Blood. The Greenwich Blue Blood. Yeah, gets involved in a, uh, in a an angle with Mark Merrill when he first got on, when he first got in. I believe it was at WrestleMania, 11, WrestleMania twelve. 
Yeah, um, I think it was. Yeah. WrestleMania 12 off the top of my head. And of course, he was, uh, he's married to China. So he's, uh, or sorry, he was with China. He's married to Stephanie McMahon. Could have been married to China. There you go. Uh, how different that would have been. <laughs> because now he is, in fact, the uh, married to the boss's daughter. Has been for quite a number of time. Uh, for quite a number of years, should I say. And now, here we go. That's pretty much Triple H's bio done. Um, as always, we have some really, um, really nice pamphlets, pamphlets uh, from uh, Niall Hogan. Uh, so we're going to pass you over to the shopkeeper now, just to give us a kind of a rundown of what the agenda of today's show will be, <coughs> and kind of what we've uh, what we've got in store to talk about with Triple H. Yeah, well, I think what we'll do is we'll run down through his titles and um, some of his accolades and stuff like that, and mm. then after that we can look at some of his. Um, you know, a snapshot of his career and stuff like that and some of his yeah. matches, you know, I mean, it's, it's kind of like for the career that he's had and stuff like that, this podcast, you know, you could do four or five podcasts on his career, mm. really, to be honest, you know. So, but sure once enough today. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. Um, yeah, we'll start then, um, we could start then um, with his, uh, with his, um, <coughs> his titles. Basically, he's a unified tag team champion, uh, world heavyweight champion uh, five times, uh, WWF WWE champion nine times, uh, Intercontinental champion five times, European champion twice, uh, twice tag team champion uh, with My uh, Michaels and with Austin, uh, King of the Ring '97, Royal Rumble '02 and 2016, uh, seventh Triple Crown champion, second Grand Slam champion, uh, three Slammy Awards for best hair. Oh my God. <laughs> Oh my God! Moment for 2011 uh, with the Tombstone Pile Driver with Taker, and uh, uh, Hall of Fame Class of 2019 as a member of the Generation X. Um, he's won numerous accolades in Pro Wrestling Illustrated. Probably don't have to get down through the ball, but mainly feuds of the year, most hated wrestler. You know, most hated wrestler. Um, feuds of the year, most hated wrestler. So for most of those years. Um, where he's kind of reached the pinnacle of his career, the top of his career. He's always been in and around each year on those top awards, either for heel or face or best match or feud of the year. Um, yeah. We voted wrestler of the decade for the 2000s, up to 2009, and wrestler of the year in 2008. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, ranked number one in the top 500 um, in 2009. Um, and... Ranked, he was originally ranked 139 of the top 500 back in 2003. So that'll tell you the progress he made in his career over that six, seven-year period, if you like. Yeah, big jump. And back then, it was a like it was always a slow process, anyway, wasn't it? So yeah, well, it was, but um, it was, it was again, as we always say in the podcast, it was a different time as well, you know. So yeah, exactly. Um, <clears throat> then he's won multiple award wrestling observer awards. I mean, it's it's mainly just sort of again feuds of the year, most distinguished, most you know, a couple of times he's been rated. It's interesting when you look at some of these awards. If you look at the Pro Wrestling Illustrated, sometimes he was voted, you know, top in those years. Other years he was voted most overrated, but we know what the Wrestling Observer's like anyway. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah we pay no attention to that guy, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so that then that that's really his accomplishments. Um, um, broad, uh, broad, <coughs> fast, um, very successful um, over a number of decades. Mm-hmm. So, um, 
So then if you want to have a look at his, uh, some of his career snapshot and highlights, obviously Intercontinental Champion 95-97, obviously comes up in, for, um, in relation DX 1997-99. Then you're going to get the McMahon-Helmsley era, 2000-2001. Uh, World Heavyweight Champion 02-03, Evolution 03-05, uh, Degeneration X Reunion 06-07, uh, Multiple Championship Reigns from 07-09, Third Run in DX 09-2010, uh, Becomes Chief Operating Officer 2011-13, uh, Forms the Authority in 13-16, Feuds with Seth Rollins and Batista 2016-19, and then begins his work with NXT and the NXT invasion last year in 2019. They're kind of just a sort of a snapshot bullet points of his sort of his career that brings you up to date. Yeah, yeah. I think I think that's where we'll leave it just for the stats at the moment. That's yeah. really good stuff, Noel, because it's a good kind of breakdown. There's a lot of, uh, lot of divulge with all of that as well. Um, it, gives you, it gives you a good sense of the variety, the variety of stuff that he's been involved in as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, when you know, when you're involved in in the wrestling business for going on what near thirty years, basically. Yeah, it's twenty five. Yeah, so yeah, thirty years. He started in ninety two, so yeah, very soon it'll be thirty. You know, in the mm. business as a whole. But, uh, so yeah, quite a, quite a long, distinguished, distinguished, and um, I suppose consistent career as well, um, in the sense that. You know, it never really stagnated. It might have been put on pause, which we will get to, um, but it never really kind of went backwards, you know. Um, Triple H, obviously, a polarizing figure um, when it comes to, you know, people's opinions on him, um, including including some of the, the people that he's worked with and, uh, you know, or, or people's just opinions in general. Um, but definitely a character by all accounts that uh, when you listen to anybody, he didn't drink, he didn't smoke. He was always around. He was obviously in the clique, so he was around a group of guys that certainly were heavily into, you know, the party scene and whatnot. <clears throat> I guess the head on the shoulders there, um, but staying around and being smart. So kind of cerebral inside and outside of the ring in a lot of ways because he knew who to, uh, he knew who to, um, I guess, surround himself with. Um, done the right, I guess, the right sort of politicking. Politicking isn't always bad, you know what I mean? The right sort of politicking. And um, basically was a student of the of the game, hence where the name comes from. So, um, But we'll get into, I suppose, when he comes into the WWE as Hunter Hearst County, as you say, I'm not surprised to see how many times he would have won one of the most hated character awards back then because that's everyone's kind of... Um, everyone's kind of pet hate is someone who's snobbish and looks down you know, at other people and whatnot. Yeah. So... And I thought it was uh, really suited to his character because he probably did have the best hair um, back then. <laughs> and, um, you know, the whole the whole ring jacket and whatnot was just uh, the, it, was the, it was the full package with, with uh, Hunter Hearst Townsley when he came in. Um, so, and I thought Mark Mero was a good feud to start him off with, just in terms of mm. you know the rough around the edges kind of guy with the nice with the nice kind of blonde chick on the side. Um, because Hunter is kind of like, you know, doesn't want to be around any of them. And I always thought he, I always thought his facial expressions in particular were very good at that character. Um, when you look at his stuff, I, I suppose we're probably jumping a bit, but when you look at his stuff with uh, with Henry Godwin, obviously when he's doing the, you know, with the, the hog farm 
kind of the slop, is that what they call it? Yeah. Uh, you know, he really, he really built, built up. Um, he, did, he did a great job in building up to um, to that spot where he would finally be, you know, drenched in slop. You know what I mean? Because that was the one thing people wanted to see. That was the payoff. Um, I went back recently and watched that. It was actually very, uh, very entertaining. Had some good matches with old friend of a, a dozen as well, Duke the Dunster Drossy. Had a nice little kind of feud with him. <laughs> Cut too short a little bit. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, let's chime in with uh, with Dara and Carl there then. So where, where where do you guys want to begin? I suppose. Well, I was going to I, I was going to say yeah, that. Well, I mean, we could start off. I mean, who's the WCW guy? Dara, you, Ian, me, and um, at Dara you know, at that point, probably both. Yeah. Excuse me. Um, I mean, like let's be honest, he had didn't exactly have the most stellar career in WCW. No, but at the same time, he was only he was only starting off really in fairness. But uh, I mean, when you're getting when you're getting ring names like Terror Rising, that's just that's awful, like you know. But, well, I'm sure, know, I, I I think it's pretty cool. Yeah, I like it. I, I was going to say, Darry, you probably same as me. Probably would have been watching a lot of WCW around that time. Um, when I went back and watched some of it again, obviously just to refresh the memory. Do you know what I mean? Because there was. So many names back then. I remember them all from the old sticker book. Do you remember that? The little uh, the annual that came out. The WCW. I, didn't, I, I didn't have the annual now, but I, yeah. I, I, I like Carl's right in a sense that he didn't have the most stellar career in WCW. No. But then again, who really did outside of you know the top card? And yeah. even like at that time in particular as well, it was before you start getting your. Before you start getting your um, your big NWO stuff, so it was very, very, very early into WCW kind mm. of stuff. So it, the only thing I would, the only thing I'd say yeah. on, on that era is just purely that because it was in the early nineties. Mm. If you look at the list of people that he worked around, then um, oh yeah, that's, that's definitely what... where he learned the craft. That's the most important part, I think. And that you took the words right out of my mouth. I was going to say while it was not memorable. The people who yeah. he was working with and the actual wrestling from that period was very good. Yeah. It just they hadn't reached their success yet. They didn't yeah. really figure out exactly where they were going. Like WCW in the early nineties is very weird. It's yeah. kind of it's kind of even hard to kind of sum up because everyone thinks oh NWO that's all they did. It's like no, they were their own kind of product at the beginning, and they're kind of figure out what's going on. And they were trying a lot of different things before everything got to click for them. But you go back, and uh, Triple H was working with you know people who would work with his entire career later on. Austin, in, yeah. yeah, exactly. You know, Austin. I think he did a match with Taker. You know, all before yeah. they were before they were obviously those characters. Yeah. So um, it's worth going back to watch. But watching WCW in the early nineties, you forget that it's it's weird. And I, I you know, I'll go back to my point. Like nobody from that period had a stellar career that you can really remember. Mm. So. That's why it kind of it kind of gets lost the time, like in its own kind of way. It was one of those. It was a period of time just as it was starting to break out from the old, just kind of mid south stuff, and the, uh, the the solely sticking to the Atlanta scene where it was kind of breaking into Disney and stuff like that. Sure, he, I don't think he was there on the Bill Watts, was he? Yeah, it was. Would have been just the tail end of Bill. It was Watts. just the tail end of that. Yeah, and anyone who knows anything about that, like that was not a fun time, and that was not a fun product. So nobody really got over. Literally, yeah. yeah, you know, so that's what it is. It's only really when Kevin Sullivan and, and people like 
that, like Eddie Graham and yeah. some people were coming in and doing booking booking the matches, which is kind of where I suppose Triple H and Steve Austin and people like that benefited yeah. because they were they were getting booked with the right opponents. You know, I know Triple H would have had you know little filler matches, you know, on on Saturday Night Live or you know the Saturday Night Show or whatever the hell you want to call. They had so many names for it back then, but he'd be working the likes of Sting and semi squash matches and stuff like that. You know, mm. so. He did get to learn, you know, in the ring with the likes of Rick Rude and, um, you know, even even the likes of Greg Valentine and stuff like that, a lot of the veterans. So, and WCW was a great place, I guess, back then. Probably the only good place for honing your craft, and that was probably all you were going to get out of it as a well, young drummer. Well, that's where a lot of the a lot of the wrestlers you look back like, and you think, you know. I, I I find it really weird. Triple H's one not so much because his WWE career at the beginning was kind of squashy. Mm. But when you go back and watch Austin's time in WCW, it's very weird. It's very yeah. weird, and it, it is because yeah. you know the people who he's working with, and just the overall presentation of it. Like you can see that they're still kind of learning how stuff works. Yet they're yeah. doing, but then figures who would become iconic figures later on are also there. Yeah. So, yeah. I'd agree. It's, cool. it's like it's like what you were saying there. Um, yeah, you the nation of domination. There was a couple of other names that I'm probably forgetting. Lads, who else was there? Other before we get to DX. Yeah. Uh, what about the Bariquas? Were they? A, yeah. Was a few of them, or just two of them were. Fabio Vega them and a few of them. Yeah. Wasn't yeah. 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 Um, they had the big guy Kurgan. Who was he with? He was with. On the Truth Commission. The Truth That's, Commission. Yeah. So. Around this time, it's it's a shitload of uh, of, of uh, factions. But then, obviously, uh, Triple H, Shawn Michaels, China, and Rick Rude form a faction. Obviously, to compete against the Hart Foundation. Oh, no. uh, I think that's probably where you get some of the best um, some of the best promos probably in wrestling history um, came through that time purely because. It felt so. Uh, it just felt so real. Yeah, felt so real. Um, and obviously, you Russo kind of getting more power here and putting on his Jerry Springer type uh, <laughs> television. But it was definitely television that worked when you go back to it. Um, I'm sure you'd agree, guys. Absolutely. I mean, um, when like when did he shed the the blue blue thing? That was the. There was was it when of... he was it when he was fighting with mankind? Well, there's just, uh, well, there's just one thing I want to bring in there before we go to it. Yeah. I mean, we ha- has to be said, mm-hmm. the curtain call incident. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Things, yeah would, things would be very different if yeah. that didn't happen. Because remember, around this time when he shedded the, the blue thing and before we had DX, uh, Triple H was supposed to actually get Austin's push. He was supposed to win that king in the ring. Yeah. And the blue incident and the fallout from it which yeah. Shawn Michaels actually got nothing because what were they going to do with Shawn Michaels? But they did actually punish Triple H and pushed him right back down. So this is this is something to remember. Like this was like his lowest, but this is when we saw him getting absolutely like destroyed by the Ultimate Warrior. Yeah, so, in, in probably one of the worst matches I've ever seen in my life. Well, uh, did you even call it a match? <laughs> oh, well, there you go. <laughs> Matches. I'm being generous, but um, that's I, and I think if we left that out, a lot of what we'd say next, you know, wouldn't really wouldn't hold as much water like what Triple H was mm. able to do and reinvent himself and literally save his career from the jaws of absolute defeat is yeah. uh, quite remarkable. Thanks for reminding us on that, uh, Darren. Like, yeah, I can't believe we forgot that. Jeez. Yeah, Darren, because that's kind, of like, 
<laughs> that's the most important. Uh, that's the most probably the most important component for the narrative that we're going to go from there. Do you know what I mean? Mm. So yeah, the, I'd agree. The, yeah, the, the turning point for him it really is, you know, turning point and also a launching point as well when you think about it for the yeah. way the character goes. You know, mm, exactly. And exactly. that's it. And that's true, and that is when you really start, you know, that's really where he starts coming on into his own as a heel when he when he joins DX. He's obviously he's obviously still the understudy to Sean in the group and whatnot. But he's um you can start to see like some of the character develop there, do you know what I mean? The the arrogant, you know, guy that people just want to punch in the face and you know, they had no problem. I mean, they were pushing the the Hardfield Nation to come all them gay and stuff like this. Some of the stuff that was getting said at the time it was um the attitude man. Yeah, it was great. It was great. Um the two of them really I mean they had they always had beef with Sergeant Slaughter as well, if you remember. Yeah. Commissioner, Commissioner Slaughter. Um there was some great T V then. Um some great matches as well back then. I mean you've um some great T V matches. I mean back then this was before the gimmicks became, you know, part of Triple H's DNA. I remember him having some great matches with Owen Hart, British Bulldog, um, Breath, you know, even the likes of like, the young Rock as well. They, they even had a couple of matches on Raw and stuff. So mm. um, you could see you could see the work was there and the body was starting to form. But then, you know, was if I if I'm going too quick, guys, let me know. But um, when when. Right. Triple H really kind of obviously when Sean gets that injury and has to uh, retire, that's when Triple H really comes into his own uh, when he kind of starts feuding with Austin. And, and that's another and that's another turning point in his career. Sorry, Ian, to cut across yeah. you there. No, but it this, is. This, this guy, this guy takes multiple career turns in a, in a, and it's it's almost like um, what would you call it? It's like, he's almost like a chameleon of sorts. That he has so many different ways to reinvent himself. That's mm. well, he's a he. There's one part there that before we get into Austin, where he reinvented DX. Yes, yes, with the really yeah. going the road. Uh, yeah. So, but so, and here's an interesting theory that not theory, but it kind of makes sense. This was around the this was the same time as the NWO really taken off. Like this is when it was at its peak, and Six had just left WCW, so he came yeah. in as X Pac, and literally that night. Was when New DX started. And that's when they brought Billy Gunn in, uh, Road Dog. China was obviously still there, but this was like a huge. This was like what a year, two years, maybe, where they were redefining DX. And yeah. this is when we yeah. had the feud with the Nation Domination, and yeah. when Triple H started doing some excellent work with The Rock. At the yeah. tail end of that, it was the My Time era, and that's when we kind of start getting the. The, the, it was a weird transition where he went from still having yeah. all the tropes of, of DX, but coming something else. And uh, it's actually it's actually like the most one of the most interesting part for Triple H because it's like he's still DX Triple H, but he's also not. And it was one of the yeah. clearest times where because with Shawn, well, one thing when Shawn Michaels was in DX, there was very little separation. You know, yeah. Uh, but with this, it was like, well, yeah, there's DX and Triple H is the leader of it, but he's also like the guy, you know, his own his own thing. Yeah. Mm. This yeah. this might be a silly analogy to say, and and you all you guys are more wrestling than I am, and I mean in a, in a good way. But I think when he changed his ring entrance, ring outfit, 
yeah. to the, the little the little pants rather than the long kind of two two tone things that he had. Boots, yeah. Uh, yeah. It was almost like a cha- a total change in yeah. uh, in attitude. Yeah, you know, and direct oh, yeah. focus. Like, oh, yeah. I would agree. I'd say that too, yeah. When he started getting the, yeah, when he was the game and he started growing the facial hair out a little bit. Yeah, yeah. The hair was wet, you know, and, you know, even when he wasn't in his ring gear, he was wearing the big, you know, bulky fucking leather jacket and um, he just looked like a badass, yeah. like um, and, It suited him so much better, just like even, even if he was a heel, he was still a, a really... A, it's like I, I've always said it to you, Ian, over to, like we've had many conversations about Triple H, as you know, and um, I always felt that he was a believable character. It's about, like, uh, from the, my time period on, you know? Um, well, some, and, some like, would say that he, was, that he was playing the wanker, and some were saying that, that he was being himself. Uh, do you know what I mean? So, well, you know what they you know what they say about this time period, and uh, you know, uh, uh, as a fan and also somebody like who watches this kind of stuff, it's the best characters are always extensions of the people who are there, but yeah. turned up to eleven. Very much so. And you know, maybe they're like Triple H's whole thing was being that kind of blue blood kind of thing. So, right, let's take that, let's evolve that. Well, he's in an industry now where he wants to be the best. And he's going to show it. And if he's not, well, then he's going to find ways to ensure it happen. But yeah. then he's also going to beat you. So I'm still the best. And that was his character, like, going forward for yeah. a very long time. And always yeah. trying to hold on to that kind of, um, hold on to that position, you know? Yeah. Well, I also I would... think that, it's, sorry, Ian, I also think, sorry yeah. to put it again. I, always, I also think because that he was in an era with the likes of Stone Cold and The Rock, you know, he was. I don't think he felt he was going to get to their kind of level. Mm. So he had to do what well, he did. What he had to do in some in some cases. And I, I would say know? as well at the point. So in the timeline for people, nineteen ninety nine, late nineteen ninety nine to two thousand, Austin gets his big injury. Yeah. And he's t- written out of SummerSlam, right? Uh, loses the belt. Didn't Austin didn't want to lose the belt to Trips, so that's why he lost it to McFoley. Yeah. Um, and then Triple H wins it the next night. <laughs> well, we'll kind of we'll go through. I, I guess what what user kind of dancing around is a little bit of the elephant in the room. Mm. Um, the politics, and that's what we're really talking about. And yeah. not a lot of certain people like Austin or whatever not wanting to necessarily their character to uh, drop a bell mm. to Hunter or whatever. This is kind of when Sean leaves. He kind of leaves Hunter kind of fend for himself but let's not forget we can talk about Hunter's politic and all he wants but he learned from three of the best politickers in the history of wrestling and Shawn Michaels Scott Hall and uh, Kevin Nash but see here's the thing though right like in 2000 was carried by The Rock and mm-hmm. The Rock and Triple H yeah literally and it's like for a lot of people that's their favourite year in wrestling it definitely from a finan- from a not financial, obviously, but from a, like a interest perspective, that's that's when it was hotter than ever. That's when it was as hottest, mm. and it was literally who was in the main events: Triple H and The Rock. It wasn't Austin. As much as I love Austin, it wasn't him because he was injured. It wasn't yeah. Taker. Taker was there a bit, but he was he actually got injured in two thousand. So well, I probably, ran- probably disagree with you on the hottest thing because. You know, an argument could be made that 97, 98 was the hottest as well. Do you know what I mean? Well, Very no, what, what, well, 
we wouldn't have we wouldn't have got to two thousand if it wasn't for the work. Let's say that WCW done. No, to, what what, what, I'm, what I mean is what I mean is the war was over. WWE, okay, okay, my apologies. Yeah. Like WWE was smashing WCW's face yeah. into a wall. Like at this point, yeah, so no it was like. You know, but but here's the thing: if WWE had faltered at that point, it still could have happened. So there were the war was was very much over, but also they were on that cusp. So if it wasn't for what The Rock and Triple H did, you know, well, actually, not that's unfair because WCW did so much wrong that yeah, you know, it could have put ending on. But like if for a lot of people, for Vince Russo, <laughs> yeah, well, you know, inside agent. <laughs> well, that, uh, well, not, that's that's a different show, there, Carl. I think. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, no, it is. It is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Conspiracy theories. <laughs> that's it. That's it. Um, I don't know, but I would say, you know, even with people today, you know, just your average people our age, let's say, or a little bit younger, you know, you say, what what do you remember about wrestling when it was in the Attitude Era high period? They're going to mention probably a lot of stuff from this time. It just yeah. it's left its impact, which cannot be understated. I agree. I agree. And <clears throat> generally, you know, uh, even though I'm not always in agreement, but generally the names will be The Rock, Triple H, Stone Cold Steve Austin, The Undertaker. They're kind of four key yeah. names of that time period that are kind of mentioned. Yeah. Um, they're, they're the kind of four key. I'm sure you'd all agree on that. Um, Absolutely. But you, but you know what I meant in terms of, you know, we weren't there, so we can only go by what we hear when it comes to the politics. But, you know, a lot of people at this time, if we're going back at that time, a lot of people backstage, they're thinking, no, you know, Triple H has only got with Steph to, you know what I mean, to kind of work his way up the political ladder and stuff like that. And if he did, then he knocked it out of the park. <laughs> so, uh, do you know what I mean? If, well, here's if the thing, yeah. and I mean this in the nice possible way. <laughs> Stephanie was incredibly hot at that point, anyway. So yeah, I'm like, yeah. I'm like, so what, gets, I'm like, what was the <laughs> It's like, what was the sacrifice? Like, you know, yeah. it was like he gets a hot wife and he gets pretty much uh, to run run the show in a lot of ways. So it's uh, like I say, Shawn Michaels sometimes gets away with a little bit more than Triple H when it comes to the uh, the politic, and you know, because a lot of people will just have Shawn down as the best, and that's it. And they don't look at, and mm. um, they don't look at a lot of the stuff. You know, that Sean done to a lot of guys. Um, and Triple H, you know, probably similar. But then if you look at it now, it's going to come full circle, I guess, for both guys. But it comes full circle to where we are with Triple H today, where not many people have a bad word to say about him. So, um, including myself nowadays. But at that time, yeah, I'm pissed at him, but we all know the reason why. I'm a fan, <laughs> whatnot. But uh, when I've kind of went and done a little deep dive back on, on Triple H's career, as well, you know, the past two weeks, and it's it's actually been a lot of fun. Um, Noel, bring you back in here. I mean, yeah, you probably agree. Like, just, just you want to kind of, I suppose, have a little word on what we've kind of spoken about there. Yeah, no, no, I agree with most of what's said and everything and stuff like that, you know. But I just think he was just, I, I, I think he just evolved over so many times, and I think he just, he just presented that package of, you know. He just thrived off people hating him. Yeah. Um, and that's what really sold him as that character, you know. Mm. And you kind of hated him, but you loved him. You know yeah. what I mean? And yeah. I think and I think kind of the more he politicked, the more he entertained us. <laughs> yeah. You know. Yeah. So I was kind of like you look back on his career and 
we will, of course. And you, you look at, you know, there's a number of things in his career I'm sure he regrets, but he says in his own words, they were all a learning experience to improve him and make him better. Exactly. Um, so, you know, they're, they're the kind of things that, unfortunately, in some of the wrestling fan base, they're the kind of things that people focus on. Yeah. Um, yeah. And they don't, they don't focus enough on the follow-on from it and stuff like that. Yeah. You know, he, um, he cemented a lot of um, people's careers in the business. Well, look, um, one, one, no, just there, you know, that's the difference. I'm, I'm not going to say here and say he didn't politics, so I don't know. Right. Um, it's a very political answer. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't like. I've, I've, I've never met the guy. If I did, what I would say is the difference between his politics and, and somebody like Hogan's politics and is totally different. You know, I, when, when I will have to say, I'm going to air my own bias. When we get to 2003, 2005, I don't have an opinion on it because I wasn't watching. Okay. Well, I, I sort of think so, I sort of think from his point of view. I think when we talk about the politicking, it's it, it's different than Hogan just showing up on politicking. Yeah. I think Triple H when he politicked, I think he probably felt in his own mind that he had earned where he was trying to politic too. Well, I would also say um, it it comes from a case of I don't like I I'm not doing this for the payday. I'm doing it because I love wrestling. Yeah, well, and, I think once he got, I think once he, I think once he had gotten with Stephanie McMahon, I think I, I don't think he had to worry too much about paydays and stuff. Like well, that. that was it. Like everything he did That's, is like, yeah. and we've seen it. Yeah. The man literally won. Well, he did destroy independent wrestling in America, kind of, by opening up his own independent fed to compete with WWE. But in a sense, he then brought it to this whole new level where NXT yeah. became a massive force. So yeah, if he yeah. had to just think about it, if he had to just, and I say this to anyone who was like, "Oh, he politics," I'm like, "Okay, well, if Triple H only cared about his own spot, why does he care about the kids? Why does he care about the young guys? It it doesn't make any sense. It's well, it, I it's think an, I think. Sorry, go on. No, I was going to say you're actually right. You're onto something there, but I think it comes off the back of Noel's point of the learning thing, and um, mm. a lot of a lot of what I've listened to Triple H these days, I think. He held a lot of the younger guys possibly back then. I mean, Jericho has, has obviously had this conversation where he just wouldn't want Jericho to do anything. Um, but yet they had some of the most amazing matches together. They did. But see, um, here's the thing. The thing about Jericho, though, right? Like, again, Jericho's band blocked me on Twitter because I gave them a bad review. How much of this is Jericho? And how much... Because here's the thing. I've read his books. I like Jericho. He's one of my favorite wrestlers of all time. But that man's ego is a thing. So well, it's like, when you've clashed, well, that's the thing. You know, when you've clashed with egos, you know what I mean. It's yeah. it's it's hard, and I agree. Like you can take it with a pinch of salt. Look, for a lot of a lot of years, I was kind of on the the Triple H hate bandwagon, but I can also go back as somebody that's been in wrestling and been a wrestling fan and meshed the two, mm. and I'm able to look at it from a constructive way rather than you know letting the heart or let, you know leaving, letting the heart rule you know the logic. Yeah. When I look at Triple H, no, I think Carl said something there that was actually very important. Um, Triple H is one of those guys that you want to hate, but there's a part of him you look and he's like, but he's so damn cool. Do you know what I mean? Best yeah. example of that. I've talked about this a bunch of times. Anyone who hasn't seen it, it's on Daily Motion because you won't be able to find it on the network. <laughs> are the promo, are the video packages from 1999. So there's one in particular. Not a great match, but a hell of a promo. Uh, the video package for Unforgiven 1989 six-pack challenge. It was put mm -hmm. to the music of Fear Factory. 
Okay. And it's amazing. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's when he's it's when he's going through. He's, he's basically like the whole story is he's taking out everybody who's a challenge to him. So he takes out Austin, cripples Austin, and he's just smashing lads with sledgehammers. And it's the coolest thing in the world. And you're like, yeah. it's just that's his yeah. character. That's the whole video package incorporates everything you need to know about everyone there. And think, it's amazing. I think if you look at him as well, like if you looked at say the top twenty stars in WWF or WWE over that time, who we regard as the, the big top twenty superstars, if they had to pick five matches from most of their careers, you can be guaranteed there's a triple H match in each of them. Oh most yeah, most definitely. Absolutely. And and that and that's where you kind of come from. And even even if you look at what Ian touched on there with Jericho, you can be guaranteed that Jericho will include a triple H match in this top five yeah. or top eight, you know what I mean? Yeah. Without a shadow of it. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. it, it, here's a here's a good example based on for anyone out there um, that doesn't agree with with this is a lawyer. Um, name one person right when when they done that whole video package when he was coming back from the quad injury at Madison Square Garden. That comeback when he came to the ring. There's not one wrestling fan there on the planet that didn't mark out for that. Yeah. Um, I don't. I don't. I don't think there's ever been. Um, a pop nearly as big as it. Yeah. No, not no. even Austin's one when he returned back. And no. see, it sort it sort of cements what we think as well. You know, we're never happy with what we have till we don't have it. That's Case exactly. in point, Roman Reigns. Yeah. yeah. Case in point, Roman Reigns. Yeah. yeah. Very true. Yeah, yeah, I agree, and um, and I agree. Going and um, going to say some nice things. People are expecting me to kind of you know oh. Triple H because of this or because of that, like with Brett and all. Look, that's all just that's all fan banter and stuff like that. Mm. For me, yeah, I, I think it's quite clear. You know, we can probably have this debate. We've had it many a times about, you know, what what's Triple H best known for. You know, what's his best work? In my opinion, I think it is gimmick matches. You know what I mean? Because most of the matches that are memorable with Triple H always had a gimmick involved. But that's not to say that. Uh, that's not to say that it's a bad thing either because, you know, it's it's different timelines, you know what I mean? Yeah. In the 90s, it was all about the work in the ring and then it was very rare that you would have a ladder match or, say, a steel cage to kind of settle the feud and that usually came after, you know, one or two matches of the same. So they bring a gimmick in just to mix it up a little bit. But when Triple H was in the ring, this is the, the, the era of Cactus Jack, Mick Foley, Mankind, the Hell in the Cell, and they were really pushing the... You know, pushing the uh, the gimmick matches and pushing the violence, pushing well, the violence. Well, but I tell you, he's the master of it. Well, when I it would, comes well, I would say on that point, the difference a match, a match. You know, like we all know, a match about telling the story, right? <clears throat> and the the tools available, the tools of the time as such, had changed beyond just. <clears throat> well, we'll have a couple of matches. And they'll yeah. be what to be what they are, and they will sell in a cage where it's like we're going to up the spectacle, and they really went for that. So like, yeah. it's it's it, it got ridiculous, but when it was good, it was great. And you yeah. know, one of the best <clears throat> the best matches there, as you said, it's not a feud with someone who you'd expect. It's a feud with Mick Foley. Yeah, I mean the Royal Rumble '98 or '9, wasn't it? Two thousand. Um, is that the one the street fight yeah that's the street fight yeah. yeah sorry my apologies yeah because i wasn't really watching um, wwe at that time either yeah. so but it went back yeah um that was an incredible match i think we talked about it on a, on a previous show where uh 
I think it was the first show we might have done actually with Darren. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I had talked about the piece of the, the lump of wood. That oh, it was. Yeah. And things to his leg. And I was kind of like, right, that's a badass. And listen, whatever about Triple H, you know, a lot of people like to know a lot of old, bitter wrestlers and a lot of them, um, including friends that he's often brought back. You know what I mean? Don't forget the Road Dog and uh, Billy Gunn were ripping up <laughs> on a interview, um, mm. drunk and talking, saying that. No, he's not a real tough guy. He's a fake tough guy and all this. And listen, the dude finished the wrestling match with a torn quad. So, uh, you know, yeah, that's, you gotta, that's you, you got you, you got to remember, though, three months after that interview they did, they were back <laughs> standing beside him. <laughs> yeah, look, again, as I said, you know, I, in TNA, they did a whole big angle where him and him and Vince McMahon were, were supposed to be the big bad guys, you know, and then they come yeah. back as road agents. So yeah. it's like... yeah. I thought the time that he did um, the time when he gave Flair the hiding I thought was really significant because he that he was did, good he did a serious number on Ric Flair at that time that was good mm. yeah you know? that was good and I actually very much enjoyed um, the video packages and the promos of when, when Sean first came back yeah um, him and Sean I thought that was a great period and just to, it was just to segue a little bit there Anyone that has seen the recent um, the recent Undertaker documentaries, which are obviously available now on the WWE Network for twelve ninety nine, is it? <laughs> uh, cheap plug there for WWE Network. Um, and I think they have enough money for fuck's sake. That's nah, all right. We'll, we'll give them a plug. Give them a plug. Uh, but well worth it when you wanted to do your research for this kind of mm. stuff. But um, just just going on, one of the most important figures in uh, in the first part of that uh, Undertaker documentary is Triple H. And you look at the significant role that he has now because, trust me, wrestling would be a whole lot worse from 2000 and, say, 15, 16 to now if Triple H wasn't in it. Wrestling's yeah. a better place because of Triple H. Uh, all you need yeah. to do is look at who's the first person there for the Undertaker after he had his comeback match. Previous yeah. year with Brock didn't go according to plan, lost confidence. First person waiting for him backstage is, is Hunter. And you see the embrace between the two. It's actually quite emotional. Yeah. And you see him before the match, given, you know, Taker, of all people, Taker, the pep talk. So for all the bad stuff, all I can see is more good, to be honest and with al- And also, again, the that match at WrestleMania this year. Yeah. Jer- a lot of TNA guys were there. Jeremy Warash was apparently behind it. but. Yeah. Um, Triple H was there too and the whole yep. thing Triple H and Shawn yeah. Michaels so it's like you know we've, I think we've come full circle with a lot of this yeah. and it's like again like one of the reasons why I dislike Hogan is because he never did that he took so much and never gave anything back and all Triple H has been doing is giving back maybe yeah. from a sense of love of the sport or, or yeah. sport entertainment or whatever or uh, uh, maybe or could be guilt I don't know mm. but either way we're benefiting from it I don't it's know. I, I think I, I think when he had, I think when him and Sean had the two matches each with um, Undertaker, I think it. Um, I think if they hadn't have been available or they hadn't have been around, I think Undertaker probably would have retired. Yeah. Yeah. You know, because I think I think it was at a time as you said there was confidence issues and all these different things, and I just think because those boys were available prior to that, and all they, you know, he had he had those dance partners to work with, and he knew that it was kind of like it was safe and it was going to be good. The build up would be electric and. You know, it wasn't like it wasn't like Undertaker had to take on the whole thing himself and feel the whole pressure of the match. He had Sean there and he had Triple H there, so to share that load, if you like. Yeah, yeah, 
Yeah. I uh, I think um sorry lads I think that I think at the uh, Triple H the, the two of his natural dance partners I think were Mick Foley and uh, The Rock. Of course. I mean he had some amazing matches with them up until he had those series of matches. Uh, the Undertaker had those series of matches with Triple H yeah. and Shawn Michaels, and that that series of matches was fantastic. Yeah. It, and it almost it almost redefined Triple H again. I think. Yeah. I know? wouldn't. I wouldn't. Um, I wouldn't even discount his role in John Cena's career because I was at WrestleMania. No. I was at WrestleMania 22, and that's when he first debuted that King of Kings entrance on the throne and all, which is just the, mm. the coolest thing ever. Just yeah. the coolest thing ever. The music, the throne, everything. And then he goes and loses. I know, yeah. <laughs> you know, he puts Cena over and you're there going, that's kind of cool. <laughs> well, I, would, I would also dare say that um, if you look at his role, um, and I think that's why Chris Jericho probably has a different outlook now. I think he uh, he really made Chris Jericho legit, especially yeah. in that last man standing match, because he, he brought out the, uh, the more violent and aggressive side of Chris Jericho's character, which, yeah. you know, Jericho has said in his own book that Chris McMahon, was ready to push Jericho to the sun. Yeah, he was. He was too hokey at times, too comedic when he first came in because he was. I think. I think. I think. I think. Once he was in there with those type of guys, I think they, their their goal, as as dance partners, was to nearly present it like a shoot. Yeah, yeah. that's what it felt you know, like. And, and, mm-hmm. and, and they pulled it off nine times out of ten, to be honest. Like yeah, you know, yeah. and that's what I'd say. Like even though, like Triple H and Jericho had a really good Hell in a Cell match as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, e- even though the matches were not straight wrestling matches, at that point, if they had it went in and ha- like, I think at that, and I hate to say it because it, it's gone. I know the way it's going to come off, but at that point, if you had it doing a straight wrestling match, it wouldn't have got over. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> that kind of that kind of cements Ian's Ian's comments yeah. earlier about the gimmick matches and stuff yeah. like that. It just, but I I just think at that time as well, when when you go back and you look through those series of matches that he had, no one came out of those matches the same person. They definitely aged from them. Oh yeah, <laughs> without yeah. a shadow of a doubt. Like if you Absolutely. if you look at that Rumble match, if you look at that match with Foley, I mean, Foley just got such a hiding. <laughs> yeah, but the, two years in a row. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. Rock yeah. bludgeoned him to death the year before. Yeah, and then he went out and start rolling. Like, thankfully, they never went too bad. Like CZW when he started breaking out glass and stuff, but it was close. Yeah, yeah. it was close. You, you, see, know? you see, the thing about it is, when I say like about that, uh, you know, about the gimmick matches and stuff, that's not a knock. I mean, at the end yeah. of the day, not everybody is going to be as talented a wrestler in the ring as a Shawn Michaels, a Dynamite Kid, a Bret Hart, you know, a Chris Benoit, a Kurt Angle. Yeah. And um, Triple H is not that kind of wrestler. He's, he's six foot four, two hundred and eighty pounds, probably at a two. Um, he's a slower mover in the ring. He's a methodical mover. I don't think you wouldn't. He's not. That's not to knock. I suppose Brett always made that comment of four out of ten wrestler. I think a lot of people lost that in context. When you're someone like Brett, of all those sort of people, they're looking at the actual art of the wrestling in the ring. I'm not confirming that I agree with that. What I'm saying is, I can see the comment is obviously taking out of context, and they're talking about they're all gimmick matches, yeah. but. Th- those gimmick matches were important to the show back then because that's where wrestling had gone from. It had yeah. gone from a time where most of the card was straight catches can yeah. wrestling, a story being told that way. Yeah. Triple H, you wouldn't, and I'm sure he'd miss, admit that himself. You wouldn't have got, you probably would have got, uh, 
the, the type of match that they had at WrestleMania with Dave Batista not so long ago. Do you know what I mean? But see, if you look, if you look, if you look up at the at the build up to most of his matches and the storylines and stuff like that, yeah. they they kind of lended themselves and warranted the gimmick match. I think yeah. if you didn't so finish violent. the story, if yeah. you didn't finish the story like that, yeah, I think you would have let the fans down. It wouldn't and, have been the way it should. Such be. an aggressive. Such an aggressive character or boiling-looking yeah. character. You can't yeah. imagine him just having a straight. But see, that was it. Yeah. Like, you know, actually, actually, here's one for you, right? When they did have... The one time where they did have a straight wrestling match was that match. Remember that match with Randy Orton at WrestleMania? Yeah. Where the whole feud was... He went into, you know, Randy Orton came into his house and yeah, yeah. yeah. and then oh, they're going to kill each other, they're going to kill each other, and then you have a straight wrestling match, and it was terrible. Yeah, like that. That yeah. was see. That's the thing about the way Triple H. But that's um, all done, like. But that's that's the match that followed Sean and Taker, wasn't it? That was Mania Twenty Five. You was yeah, yeah, because yeah. I I was at that. Mm. <laughs> that was the one where he went to punt Orton and he missed him by about two and a half feet, and Orton sold it. Yeah. <laughs> now, okay. What I will say is, it, it, it went on following one of the greatest WrestleMania matches of all time. Yeah, but yeah. even if it had enough, there were still the the feud made no sense because it's yeah, like, right, yeah, yeah. Exactly. you lads nearly killed each other, yeah, and now you're just going to have a straight wrestling match. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. You know, well, the, me, the, the theory behind that as well is that Sean and Taker should have went on last. Oh yeah, without yeah. doubt. You know, and well, that's the where they messed up. I'll give you this kind of comparison, okay, just in terms of people that are of similar size to Triple H, right? I think that is the type of worker Triple H is, and that's when he flourishes. And one thing they teach you in the wrestling business is always stick to your strengths. Do you know what I mean? Don't try and do something that, A, isn't going to make sense for your type of build or character or whatever, but especially character, okay? It's like it made no sense for Brock Lesnar to do, you know, uh, uh, bloody... um Yeah. Yeah. Um, so like even though it looks great it makes no sense so with Triple H that's the kind of wrestler he'd evolved to that the kind of worker that he'd evolved to Triple H wasn't the kind of worker that you could could have put in say with Hogan in place of The Rock mm. and then they have that one on one match without any gimmicks involved because yeah. only The Rock yeah. and Hogan can do that do you know what I mean yeah. um, same with you mentioned Randy Orton there Randy Orton is a generational talent when it comes yep. to the yeah. you can have yeah. like I don't think there's many people that compare to Randy Orton and what he can do in the ring, gimmicks or not. So yeah. when when we're comparing Triple H, it's very important that we look at this like like a team sports thing, like uh, football, basketball, whatever. You've got your defenders, you've got your point guards, you've got your yeah. strikers, you've got whatever. Okay, all do different roles. It's the exact same thing in wrestling. Triple H's yeah. role in wrestling was for his character to get him over, but also to get other people over. Yeah. And the gimmick matches were the, were the things that made sense yeah. for that character, and hence why the matches are so great. There's no point in comparing them to the likes of a, a Randy Orton yeah. or The Rock. That's why him I, and The Rock worked so well. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I've I've always referred to him as the modern day Aaron Anderson. Because I would I say that's fair. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. I, I would have said I would have said that as a well, Aaron was a hell of a wrestler in the ring with it kids, to be fair. Yeah, <laughs> but it, I mean in terms of approach and in terms of building yeah. the match. I'd in agree. terms of in terms of mentally breaking you down, yeah. mentally and physically in a match. I mean, that was always his role. If you look at the way he wrestled, he always focused on the body mm. part. He was always Cerebral he was technically sound. Yeah. yeah, he was technically sound in the way he did that. Okay, he always went to the outside and the steps were used and the tables and the sledgehammers and all that stuff. But there was always a kind of a mental approach to that in the match yeah. where to fit it in. 
you know. See, so it, I, I, I've always described them to people as being that kind of modern day Aaron Anderson. It was, it was always the character, yeah. It was always yeah. that kind of everything he did made sense, and yeah. I think the big yeah. thing with any kind of story, wrestling, movies, yeah. novels, your characters yeah. have to. It has to make sense, like, and even if he had done anything there that didn't, you know, if he wasn't willing to do anything, well, then it wouldn't have come across, you know. And right. one thing I always loved about Triple H is when, uh, and <laughs> JR always sold this great, you know, when he was the champion and he resort to something, either a big spot or something really, really desperate. JR was like, he loves the belt so much that, you know, he's willing to do anything. Yeah. And then it yeah. would be reflected in the ring. Yeah, but when you touch on that aggression with him as well that we spoke about earlier, like that aggression is is built into him there. A lot of that is not sort of character on screen because you can see even as he trans even as he transitioned into the business side of things, yeah. he was very aggressive in the way he went after NXT yeah. and after yeah. the indie scene and you know tried to promote that to be the best thing. Like anything he wanted to touch, he wanted it to be the best it could absolutely be. They're not necessarily their best thing but the best that could absolutely be that yeah. he was involved in I think I mean, so. as we kind of wind down here I think um, that was a good analogy I, like in some of the studying I've done of wrestlers one of the people that I've looked at as you know one of my favourites of all time is Harley Race and I've always thought Triple H had a little bit of Harley Race in him too um, yeah. absolutely yeah definitely slow, definitely. slow methodical, strategic, in fact, yeah. even the way he spoke, his promos, obviously he was a little bit more charismatic than Harley later yeah. on in life, but that's as times have changed. But I mean, Harley back in the you know 70s and 80s was way ahead of his time when it came to promos too. Yeah. Um, but very much so, I think Triple H and, and Harley Race always kind of reminded me a lot of each other in terms of, uh, you can tell he watched a lot of Harley Race for sure. Yeah. Um, mm. You know, the yeah. thing, the slow picking apart of the opponent. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you yeah. can even see you can even see a bit of Ric Flair in him as well. I think, oh you know? yeah. yeah, especially uh, I mean a, a good mix of triple or uh, sorry of Ric Flair, Aaron Anderson, and as you said, yeah. Yeah. himself. I, like I just I, I just always felt watching him as well. I I never felt he was very comfortable with the. Um, no, with the styling and profiling, I yeah. think he. I think he was much. I think he. He much preferred to be in the trunk sledgehammering you than to be mm. in the suit. Like, like I don't think like the the party and the women and all that. Yeah, I think I think Randy Orton took to that. Randy Orton took that styling and profiling back then. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think I think <laughs> Rand, I think Rand, and Dave to, and Dave Batista to a point as well. I think those sure, yeah. hung, hung out with Rick probably slightly more, if you would imagine. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Well, like I suppose, in closing, lads, what's the in closing? Let's each each of us kind of go through maybe just a couple of because we've only got about what five ten minutes left here, Darren. Mm, yeah. Um, let's let's each give like say two two matches that stand out to you and keep it to two so we don't get lost. Okay. Carl, you shoot ahead, sure. Yeah, sure. Um, when he came back. From his injury and when he won the Royal Rumble, I, I was so invested. Yeah, you know, um, and and then the match with uh, the, which the first one I think it was he had with Undertaker at WrestleMania, where Undertaker was the American badass. I can't remember what year that was. Yeah, but I really, even though we lost, I just thought it was a, it was an amazing match. You know, WrestleMania Again, 2001. WrestleMania 2001. That's the one. Yeah, I I love that match. I mean, I also love the fact that. 
uh, we didn't even touch on the fact that he has his, his entrance music is a big thing. His entrances are a big thing. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that Motorhead played him down to the ring, like just so many epic things about him, you know. You're um, Carol. Where's the match? Sorry, <laughs> Royal Rumble and WrestleMania. That's I like it. it. Two good matches, two qual- and it is true about the music too. I agree. Yeah. Oil. Yeah, probably the match with Sean at SummerSlam 2002. Um, that was whopper, yeah. Yeah, I really enjoyed that one, and also. It, it, it's kind of an interesting one, but I really enjoyed the time where he, um, when he turned on Batista. <laughs> you know, that was that was kind of cool. Like I really enjoyed that was the, nice. match, the match he had with him was kind of cool. And I liked it more because it wasn't handled the same way as the way he turned on Orton. Yeah, because I think wrestling fans are really disappointed in that. <laughs> so, it was it was like he was afraid of Batista. You know what I mean? That, that's what was how he sold it that way. That he was a yeah. bit. Yeah. yeah, but it was just it was just the whole build up to it and the way that he was so snaky about it and Batista got wind of it and the way they built it all up. I thought it was really cool. Mm. Um, yeah, so they're they're kind of ones. Obviously the the, the match against Cena twenty two I really enjoyed. I'll go I'll go next so we can have Dara close it. Um I would say I one of my favourite matches I when I look back on it now is the match that now and um, I thought in fact I thought um, Triple H actually doesn't get enough credit for that match and everyone always spoke of Benoit and Michaels do you know what I mean and Benoit having his moment but I thought Triple H looked really cool on that as well with the white boots just I'm, I'm, I'm weird like that I like when wrestlers go and do something a little bit different and change the colour up a little bit I used to like when H would change the colour up every now and then I have the uh, the purple figure down there as well. purple pants yeah what what was the one what was the one where he came out with the three quarter length tights remember he went oh, that, that's when he was injured they were like cycling yeah. shorts yeah. or something yeah. God, they were horrific they that were was, terrible I, that was his feud with Steiner yeah yeah, yeah. 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 What, what was the comment on that it takes two to tango <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> remember that yeah. Steiner commenting on it it takes two people to have a good dance or something yeah. but that that would be that would be the match I was on there but then I suppose the other two together um, would be the SummerSlam ladder match with The Rock um, that was SummerSlam, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Mania or SummerSlam? No, I think it was SummerSlam. SummerSlam, SummerSlam, yeah, SummerSlam yeah. yeah. It was when they had the big orange gimmick. Jesse Ventura was on that show, wasn't he? He was a special ref in the main event. Yeah. That, that was 98. 98. There we yeah. go. See, I Sorry, that was 99. 99 was Jesse Ventura. 98 was okay. the ladder match. You see, that shows you I wasn't watching WWE back then, but I remember watching that pay-per-view because I think it was free that night or something. Might have been These on are this period is ingrained in my head because I was like nine. So I, I, I have like encyclopedic knowledge of it. Yeah. Here we go. I, I felt like I was uh, selling out when uh, I'd watched WWE at that point. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and so I was, uh, that was free and I remember watching that match, but I remember that match really standing out to me. And then of course the other one, uh, the Mick Foley uh, street fight. So then yeah. they'd, be my, they'd be my matches. Yeah, um, great show. If you guys haven't seen the Mick Foley Street Fight for Catch Jack, <coughs> absolutely incredible. Um, I would go. That's probably the match to watch. Actually, um, I would go. I want to go with an obscure one. Uh, I really like his cage match with The Rock from Rebellion, nineteen ninety nine, where he had like the big. It was like it wasn't the blue cage. It was the black cage. Very good little match, and. Um, I go his unsanctioned his uh, 
Oh, so the interaction match is good, but I have to go with the Hell in a Cell with Chris Jericho. Absolutely great. One of the best Hell in a Cell matches of all time. Yeah, Easily. Could be the best, yeah. Oh, it's mm. so good. What they did there, like, well, the spots weren't as spectacular as what we would see. The absolute brutality that Triple H brought in that match yeah. was unbelievable. Like, yeah. and, and Jericho. Oh, it, yeah. was a, it was a hellacious match. Hey. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> we need to commentate on wrestling. I'll, I'll, I'll just be the Tony Schiavone and you could be the, the, the Jim Ross. Pick, pick a match and do a watch along and we commentate on it. That's oh, a fair idea. Yeah. Let's do that. Let's do that's that. A, I'm up for that. That's an interesting one, yeah. Panel yeah. of four, yes. Who will be the Bobby Heenan and Gorilla Monsoon? And who will be the Tony Schiavone and Jim Ross? <laughs> <laughs> The beauty of it is we can't give away the results. <laughs> that that really put some boots, uh, butts and seats. Put some butts and seats. Well, look, this has actually been a very enjoyable show, and like you said uh, at the top of it, um, you know, we we could have went on for days on this subject. Oh yeah. Um, I hope I hope that everyone listening thinks we've done it justice. Um, as always, there'll be certain stuff that we miss out, but that's the beauty of. Of a uh, podcast and I'm just kind of having a chat about these things, but uh, yeah. yeah, I think there was no controversy here. We stuck to the to the good points and um, primarily, yeah. even though I'd like uh, uh, let, if people let us know what they think of it as well. It's great to get the feedback, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah because I mean, I'm always going to bring hate, but uh, not not the love, not the love. Yeah, um, there's the, there's no doubt in time we'll probably do another podcast on them. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. Absolutely, um, like this. Yeah, there's 25 years to get through here, and, and possibly yeah. more to go. But um, mm. I think next month it'll be interesting. It'll be hard. To, it'll be hard to top this one, um, as as they are each and every month. But like I say, yeah. at home listening, it's your job to kind of keep us on our toes and and um, you know keep us kind of intrigued. And and uh, yeah, it's a great little dynamic that we have here. And I think it was it was nice. Actually, to look back, um, as always, to do the research on, on mm. careers. There was a lot, like I said, in 98, 99 that I hadn't seen of Triple H. So that was actually a lot of fun to, uh, yeah. to watch that. Before we, before we sign up as well, as I think we should give a collective thanks to Peter Hardy for the amazing work on the graphics for each episode. They're top-notch, you know, yeah. and the color schemes and the designs. So just for me and the lads, thanks, Peter. Yeah. It's... Fantastic I, so I, far. I, I think like the way the episodes are going, I think the artwork is matching how good the episodes are becoming. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. You know, yeah. So, yeah, he's absolutely that that triple H one that he did a star ah. like. Well that's it. Brilliant. So what, what we'll do is we'll just give a shout out and a plug to Peter Peter Hart Graphics. You can find them on uh, you can find them on Instagram. So um, he's always putting up his work up there. Yeah. So if you if you like what you see and you wanna you wanna kinda get him to do something for you. Shoot ahead. Uh, Peter has his own podcast coming up soon. I think he's uh, he's asked he's asked me could uh, could he rob our format for it, and uh, I said absolutely no problem because you'll never beat it. But so uh, so that's 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 fine. So that'll be interesting to see uh, yeah. different different type of subject matter. And um, also give a shout out and a thanks to Dara there because um, this is kind of a joint joint thing by Dynamo Dozen. The network, as we said, we're going to put together now soon, as we announced during the week. So, Dynamo doesn't network, you'll be able to find. Um, 12.99. 12.99. Incorporated half to me, half to Dara and Nerdano Media. <laughs> you, get a, you get a free COVID 19 face mask. <laughs> but this is, uh, this is obviously, Dara is on Nerdano Media as well. And yeah. Obviously, 
I'm working with with Dara as well with the new uh, From the Dark podcast, conspiracy podcast, which went really yeah. well too. So go over to Nerd Now Media. There's lots of wrestling stuff there as well. Yeah. Lots of comic stuff. We've got conspiracy now. Dara, I'm sure you can chime in and add more to that as well. So yeah. um, yeah. it's kind of like this is a nice little joint venture. And uh, Dara's been a great help in, uh, in kind of guiding me along the way to uh, to kind of setting up this Dynamo Cousin Network. So I just want to thank Dara for that as well. Right, no man. Come on, Dara. If I could just mention as well that we launched that Wrestling Trips Ireland page as well there a little while ago. Um, yeah. It's basically for people who want to come away to WrestleMania next year with a bunch of crazy people if they're interested. Um, we should have packaged information in the next week or two on payment plans and stuff like that. So if anyone's interested in going to Mania, um, with a with a bunch of crazy people who have gone to a few menus now and had some good trips, just uh, hit a like and a share on that page, and we'll keep you updated on what we're doing. Class, that's a class folks. actually. That's a really Dara, good idea. Do you want to add anything to that, Dara, yourself, just for no, no, all I the Dynamo Puzzle fans to listen to if they're, they're they they want to listen to anything on Nerd to Know Media? Yeah, head over to nerdtoknowmedia.com. There's a literally a new show every single day. If you guys wanted to help us out. Go over to the YouTube, Nerd Snow Media on YouTube, and subscribe, leave a like, and check out the mountain of content that's yeah. dropping there every day. Everything the you can think the, of, it's the library. The library on it is unbelievable. Yeah. Oh, cheers, man. Yeah. Smash Yo. that like button. Exactly. Helps us out a lot. We're trying the best, and, yeah. you know, that's it. You know, if you don't like one show, try another one. I guarantee there's something there for everyone. Yeah. Well, like any good hoe, I am now a part of it, so I'm uh, delighted to be, to be on board. Good to hear, man. If you have a small business, a band, need a t-shirt design, or just need a logo in general, then I'm going to send you to the right place. Peter Hart Graphics. It's the only place that you need to go. In fact, that sexy new Dynamo's Dozen logo? Peter Hart Graphics. That logo for the four pod men? Peter Hart Graphics. Peter Hart Graphics specialize in logo designs that are tailor-made to fit your needs. In fact, the process is so quick and easy that they will send regular updates and provide three drafts within one week. Three drafts within one week. All you need to do is go to Peter Hart Graphics on Facebook, Instagram, or find them on Twitter at Peter H Graphics. Or alternatively, you can email PeterHartGraphics at gmail.com. That's PeterHartGraphics at gmail.com and give a description of what kind of logo and design that you need. It's that easy, guys. Also, make sure to tell them that Dynamo sent you. Make the first step in getting the logo that helps your business get up and running today.